Okay, there are a number of readings today, all of which are quite short. Um, what a man, what a lady, thank you. <laughs> uh, they're going to come up on the screen so that you don't have to fumble all through your Bible. So let's, um, let's read the first one, which is Luke 24, 25 to 27. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then Leviticus 1, 1. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. And then Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. And then verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. And then lastly, Leviticus 27, 34. These are the commands the Lord God gave Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Thank you. Uh, Good morning everyone, my name name is Sam, Uh, if you don't know me it's nice to see you Uh, and I I know what you're thinking, yes, finally, a series on Leviticus. Uh, So let me pray as we begin. (laughs) Heavenly Father we thank you for your word, Uh, we thank you for the book of Leviticus, uh, often unknown and uh, unthought about and and, uh, unread. So we pray that as we think about it, you would show us your glory. And we pray that you would show us the Lord Jesus. And whether we know you and have been followers for years or days, whether we're not sure, whether we don't know you and we're resistant, we pray that your word today would speak to our hearts by your spirit. Amen. Uh, well, uh, today's more of an introduction to Leviticus, hence the sort of smattering of verses we've uh, looked at. And uh, in my experience, Leviticus is kind of the book that uh, puts an end to all my New Year's resolution dreams. Uh, reading from the beginning to the end of the Bible without stopping, front to back. Genesis, good. Creation, lots of adventure, stories, interest. Exodus, intrigue, slavery, freedom, miracles. Leviticus, Moral law, ceremonial law, civil law, burnt offerings, grain offerings, fellowship offerings, sin offerings, guilt offerings, priestly ordination rules. There's, there's at least three or four verses that begin to tell a story. And then we're back to purification rituals, clean and unclean things, regulations about infectious diseases on your skin. 
uh, mold in your house and what you should do about it. Warnings about unacceptable sacrifices before God, uh, not mixing two types of fabric in one cloth, uh, the Sabbath, Passover, festivals to be observed, the Day of Atonement, feasts, year of jubilee, rewards, judgments. I've bored you just with the contents page of Leviticus. Uh, and then there's a full chapter on all of, almost all of those things I've told you, 27 chapters in total. Uh, if you like, Leviticus is a sort of detailed law book for the Israelites. Uh, the surrounding books, well, they are full of adventure and, and historical stories and life. The place where we see these laws either being lived out and obeyed, in which case all is good, or we see all of these laws and uh, procedures not being obeyed, and then judgment comes. But this is the law book on, on which life is to be lived if you're an Old Testament Israelite. I was on jury service for six weeks, uh, not very long ago, on a murder trial at the Old Bailey. And listening to all the evidence and the facts and the accounts and the, and the, the stories, that was reasonably interesting. But Leviticus is a bit more like the case study law books that the judge has studied for many a year so that he can guide the jury and decide on the right sentence once they're convicted. And without wanting to insult any lawyers or solicitors here, uh, that side of things can be quite onerous, can't it? All the rules and details and regulations. So, don't feel too bad when you find it hard work to read through Leviticus. It does feel a bit remote. Now, as well as being detailed, it was also written three and a half thousand years ago for a small emerging nation, which is now Israel and the Jewish people. But more than that, and this is what we're going to focus on as we go through the book, we now have the New Testament. In other words, we are this side of the cross of Christ. Jesus has come. And that makes a big difference to what we do with books like Leviticus compared to the Old Testament Israelites. Uh, as we read through Leviticus, we are going to find out, as they did, we need a saviour. We need a messiah. We need someone to save us. One who would fulfil all of this law, all of this detail, perfectly. And he has come. Because we're this side of the cross. We're in New Testament times. It's what we thought about in Galatians, uh, which we've just finished, and, and partly why I thought it'd be interesting to look at Leviticus following on from that. Leviticus tells the Old Testament Israelites how to make sacrifices for their sin so that they might be atoned, made right, their, their sin paid for by blood. But now Jesus has done that fully and finally, as we thought about in Galatians. It told them how to keep things or themselves pure or clean. But Jesus has declared all things clean. Uh, so Mark 7, he declares all food clean. In Acts 10, you might remember Peter uh, with his uh, visions of different types of food. And it's God telling him that now all people are clean and able to come to the Lord under the gospel. It's not just Jews and Israelites now that are part of God's people. All can now be declared clean through Jesus. And in Hebrews, which we'll refer to a few times as we go through Leviticus, we see how that Christ was our once-for-all sacrifice. He is our great high priest, so that we no longer need a priest, an earthly priest to intercede between us and a holy God. 
So there are good reasons why we will find Leviticus remote. Supremely because Jesus has come. But that doesn't mean it's not relevant. Uh, As we know, every word of the Bible is useful. Uh, As Paul says in uh, the New Testament, this is 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So, how is Leviticus relevant to us? Uh, Well, I've got four points for us this morning. Leviticus is relevant, number one, because the Lord said. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, uh, in fact, it's on the screen as well. Uh, We're only looking at a few verses as we introduce. So Leviticus 1, verse 1 says, The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said... That's all we need to know for now. Uh, Leviticus is relevant because it is from God. Uh, God wrote it. Uh, We can, of course, say that with any book of the Bible. Uh, God inspired human hands to write down his written word, so we trust it fully. But we have to say even more so of Leviticus. The phrase the Lord said occurs 45 times in this book. That's almost twice a chapter. God wrote it. He said it. Uh, So as we read it, there are going to be great insights into the very character and heart of the author of God. Because we will hear him speak. Uh, Imagine you love and respect uh, your grandmother. Uh, She's like no other person you've ever met in all your life. She's She's just the best person you've ever known. And then you find in her belongings a very long letter from her mother. So your great-grandmother, you don't know her. And it's a letter all about how to live life well. You'd want to read it, wouldn't you? You would want to discover what the heart of the mother of this person you think was so amazing was like. It might feel a bit remote, It may not all apply to you, as it did to your grandmother, but you'd want to glean insights into it. You'd want to know what she said. Well, this is what the book of Leviticus is. It is a book where the Lord said, wouldn't we want to know and love him better? He is, after all, the father of the Lord Jesus, whom we love And as we read about the life and the actions of Jesus in the New Testament, don't we want to know his father a bit more? What is it about his character and love that intrigues us? And so we want to listen, because the Lord said. It's all in this book. So firstly, the Lord said. That's why it's relevant. Number two. It's relevant because the Lord said, we will therefore discover his character. We've already said that. And the key characteristic we're going to find out about the Father is that the Lord is holy. Uh, So this is uh, chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. Uh, The Lord said, there it is again, to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Holy. Now, what? not wanting to steal the thunder from the rest of the series, but Leviticus 19, verse 2, is, it, if you like, a key that unlocks it all. The Lord our God is holy. 
In fact, Leviticus mentions holy, holiness, or be holy 150 times. That's nearly six times a chapter on average. And our world doesn't understand holiness, does it, if we look around? We probably struggle with understanding the concept and, and, and all that holiness means, having a holy God. We're going to think about aspects of God's majestic otherness, his unapproachableness, his transcendence over all, his, his sort of intense moral purity. His sheer and utter, he's just undescribable in his holiness. His dazzling goodness, his perfect justice. I mean, we could go on. But holiness is huge and it is the characteristic of God that is revealed in this book. You see, these laws and these rituals as we read through it are not just sort of obstacles to trip up the Israelites along the way. Here's God's rules, chuck them out, they're going to trip over. Oh, here's a good one, they'll trip over that to put them in their place and make sure everyone knows where they stand before God. We will find out where we stand before God, so that is an element of it. But they're not there for that purpose. They're there because God is holy. In our culture where every person is entitled to b- believe whatever they want, to be whoever they want, to believe about God and the world whatever they want, Leviticus will remind us that no, actually there is a God who is holy. It is he who will declare who we are. It is he who will declare who he is. It is he who will declare what all truth is. Because he is holy. His holiness will elevate our reverence for him and our trust in him. Even in our own Christian culture, we might be tempted to believe that God owes us rather than owns us. Or we might be tempted to think that our own sort of particular needs or emotional uh, needs and feelings before God means that he he should sort of do things our way to please us. Or we might elevate our own opinions about or interpretations of God's word based on the infiltration of the culture from around us about who God is and what holiness means and how we should live our lives. But Leviticus will remind us that The Lord alone is holy. And even our most valiant efforts at righteousness will fall short of his holiness. How we need a greater reverence and understanding of the holiness of God in our lives, in our church, in our culture and communities. So that we can worship him rightly so that we can understand him more correctly. And Leviticus will help us do that. Because the Lord said, I am holy. And now the third reason this book is relevant is because of the things we've already touched on. And that, if you like, is our lack of appreciation of the fact that God is holy. And therefore, indeed, our failure to wholeheartedly pursue holiness ourselves. So the the third reason Leviticus is relevant is because we should be holy. So verse 2 of chapter 19 again. Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be holy. 
Because God is holy, his people must be holy. There is a requirement, if you like, for anyone who desires to be in the presence of a holy God to be holy themselves. Uh, the Bible often uses the illustration of light and darkness. You can't have light and darkness in the same place at the same time. Uh, so 1 John 1, 5 to 6 puts it like this from the New Testament. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Darkness and light cannot overlap. If it's pitch black in a room, there is no light. And when you turn on the light, there is no darkness. You would have to leave the presence of light to find darkness again. And so says God, because I am holy, you too need to be holy. Uh, the context of Leviticus, uh, where it fits into the Old Testament uh, story of things, is helpful as well. Uh, Leviticus was given to Moses to write down uh, immediately after the book of Exodus has been finished. Uh, so in Exodus, uh, if you, you might know, God's people have been freed from slavery in Egypt, and they're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land that God has said they can have. In other words, there already are people who have been saved freely by grace, by God. And they've been saved from slavery into freedom, just like we've been thinking about in Galatians. And God makes a new covenant with them in Exodus on Mount Sinai. Uh, you might remember some of the stories around Mount Sinai. Uh, the most famous would be uh, God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. Uh, also in Exodus, uh, chapters 25 to 31, it's, it's a long building description, Moses is told to build a tap tabernacle, a sort of portable tent where the presence of God can be represented amongst God's people. And in the last chapter of Exodus, chapter 40, just before Leviticus starts, Moses builds this tent. It's up and it's ready and it's there. And then you get verse 1 of Leviticus. The original Hebrew actually starts with the word and. So it would read like this. And, based on everything that's just happened, and the Lord God called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, the tabernacle that he's just built, and he said. These are the instructions given to Moses and his people just as he's completing his covenant with them. And then the very last verse of Leviticus gives us the same context uh, 27 verse 34. These are all the commands the Lord gave Moses at Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Now why is that all important? Because it reinforces what this book is about. It is a description from God, the Holy God, about how people who he has saved ought to live. Ought to be in covenant relationship with him. The Holy God frees freely from slavery for the Israelites physically from Egypt, for us uh, spiritually from our sin. And in saving us, God enters us into a covenant, a, a promise if you like, a, a relationship with his people which says, in summary, chapter 19 verse 2, uh, be holy because I am holy. This is how you and I ought to live. This is how the Israelites ought to have lived between uh, God and us. 
That's the deal of belonging to God, says Leviticus. I am holy, so you be holy. That's the covenant. Uh, So Leviticus shows us how to live in relationship to God. It shows us our duty to God to pursue holiness, to abide in his laws and his rules, to keep ourselves pure and clean, just as light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place, nor can holiness and unholiness. So Leviticus shows us God's holiness and calls his people to holiness, And we go, okay, wow, that's a bit of a problem for us. But don't worry. There's one more reason why Leviticus is relevant for us. That's the fourth one, because we'll hear the gospel. We will hear the good news. We will hear how an unholy people can exist in holiness with a holy God. Uh, This is why we had the reading from uh, Luke chapter 4. Uh, sorry, 24 earlier. Uh, after the death of Jesus, uh, at that first Easter, which we celebrated a couple of weeks ago, some of the followers of Jesus are walking along a road to Emmaus. And in chapter 24, Luke tells uh, that Jesus, who had now risen from the dead, but the followers don't know it yet, turns up and is walking along with these guys. Uh, they're kept from realising who Jesus is, probably by God, probably also because they just couldn't, fathom that someone who had died would now be chatting and walking along the road with them. We don't know uh, exactly the details of that, but what we know is that the implication of what they're talking about is that they are confused. Some, some women had gone to the tomb and found it empty. I mean, where is Jesus? What is going on? And a stranger turns up to have a chat with them about it. Now, Jesus could have, in that situation, rebuked them for not believing what he had told them. He had predicted before he would die, he had told his disciples he would die and he would rise again after three days. But he actually rebukes them for not believing something different, something else. So have a look at, uh, it's on the screen. This is what Jesus says. He doesn't say, how foolish you are, you didn't believe what I told you. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. Isn't that extraordinary? He didn't say, you didn't believe me. I told you I was going to rise from the dead. Here I am. said, you don't understand because you don't believe the Old Testament, the the Old Scriptures, the prophets. It's actually a common theme in the New Testament where Jesus tells us to believe what the Old Testament said, what was promised and predicted and prophesied about the coming Messiah. And what does Jesus then do with these uh, people walking along the road? He explains the gospel, the good news about himself by beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He begins, in other words, with teaching them about the books of Moses, which are Genesis, interesting, creation, stories, exciting, Exodus, slavery, freedom, miracles, those sort of things, Leviticus, lots of rules and regulations, but it shows us Jesus. Numbers and then Deuteronomy, the five books of Moses. The, the Jews call it the Torah. 
we are to read Leviticus and see the good news, to see the Lord Jesus, the gospel. We are going to see that Jesus is our only saviour, that through his death and resurrection, he pays for our sin. The book that Leviticus is so keen to show us needs making right with God because unholiness cannot overlap with holiness. So let me briefly uh, tell you where we're going over the next five weeks. Uh, These are the five uh, sections we're going to look at. And I'm going to show you just literally in a sentence or two how Jesus is going to be the answer to them all. So next week we're going to look at Leviticus chapters 1 to 7. It's all about offerings. Uh, We must face up to our sin is the the point of those chapters. Uh, And all sorts of sins uh, we require, uh, require offerings, require sacrifices. In fact, they all require blood to be shed, to atone, to pay for, to make right us to God. We'll look at unintentional sins and willful sins and uh, what we could call high-handed sins. And we'll see that only Jesus can save us because he never committed one of those. Uh, The week after, we'll look at uh, chapters 8 and 10, uh, all about priesthood from the Old Testament and the rules around that. And we'll see that we no longer need a priest to intercede for us between uh, us and God because we have a great high priest, the Lord Jesus, who makes us holy in God's sight. Uh, Chapter 11 to 15, week 3, we'll look at clean and unclean. And we'll see how that we're all now clean if we trust in the Lord Jesus. He makes us pure and clean in God's sight. And in a sense, that's what makes all other, uh, much of the rest of the law clean and pure uh, for us in the way that Christ fulfills it. Uh, week four will be week five because this is week one uh, the section four leviticus 16 the day of atonement uh, that's not a film uh, it's originally a chapter in leviticus we'll see the day of atonement a, a glorious chapter where we see the very heart of god that offers a way to make his people right again holy again in his sight for the israelites it was animal sacrifices the shedding of blood But they all point us towards a perfect and full blood sacrifice in the Lord Jesus. And then the last week, uh, Leviticus 17 to 27, uh, 10 chapters on holiness. Uh, We'll we'll finally consider that great topic of holiness. Uh, How can we be holy as we're called to be holy and in the sight of a holy God? Well, we can only be holy if the only true one who was holy gives us his holiness in place of ours so that we can stand before God. Leviticus is good news. Leviticus will show us Jesus. So uh, I've got a challenge for all of you. Uh, If you've got time, I'd love you to read the whole of Leviticus this week. Um, Only 27 chapters. It's easy going. Uh, If you don't have quite time for that, I'd really encourage you to read the chapters we're going to think about each Sunday. So before next week, have a read of chapters 1 to 7. There's lots going on. You might not understand it all. That's fine. But you'll get an appreciation for the the severity and the seriousness of sin. And we'll think about that uh, next week. If you want a commentary to go alongside your reading, um, 
I've put, I think this is probably the most accessible. Uh, they're not three books. They're just three versions of the same book. And when you look online, I don't know which one you'll find. I think the middle one's the most recent. You'll probably see that on Amazon or something. Uh, but this is a BST series by Derek Tidball. So if you want something to read alongside Leviticus to help you understand it as you go, then I'd recommend that. So uh, to finish... We need to look forward to reading the book of Leviticus. We're going to see the Lord Jesus, the good news. And uh, I'm going to give you a a one-line summary of the book uh, to finish. Uh, It's not my own. I've borrowed it, but I'm not sure who he borrowed it from either, so I can't really credit it. Uh, But the book of Leviticus, it talks of the holy God who calls his holy people, sorry, calls his people to be holy and provides atonement through sacrifice for when they are not. That's good news, isn't it? We have a holy God who calls us to be holy, but provides an atoning sacrifice for when we are not. Our atonement, the Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you in reverence and fear and honour as we stand at your feet and acknowledge you are a holy God, a God we cannot stand in the presence of because of our unholiness, and yet, in Christ, we can. May we see your holiness, your glory, and your might as we read through this book over the coming six weeks. May you remind us of our place before you so that we may come to the Lord Jesus every time and rejoice in his name. May we look forward to the day when Christ returns and we enter into your holiness completely and the realities of our lives match up to what we've been made in Christ already. May you glorify your name amongst us, amongst our families, amongst our community, amongst our world so that every knee may bow at the holiness of your name. And we pray that we and all we meet would trust in your gospel, in the good news of Jesus, who rose again and explained to uh, all his disciples then and us through your word all the great joy and promises that are fulfilled in him through the Old Testament. So we pray you be with us. Speak to us by your spirit. Honour your name. Glorify your son. For him we pray. Amen. Amen.